Hey kids, you're listening to the internet's wettest podcast about video games, consoles, and pancakes. The SML Podcast. My energy levels drop too much further. I might go grab me a Dr. Pepper 260. <laughs> what? 260? Well, if they're going to call you, Coke Zero, if no. they're going to call it Coke Zero because that's zero calories, I'll call my regular red can of Dr. Pepper a Dr. Pepper 260. Oh, my God. Uh-huh, it's only 170, so I'll have a Baja 170. Oh, uh, what? Really? Uh, oh, what? I was bluffing. I downgraded. The bottle is Mountain Dew. The 20-ounce bottle, that's 230. 150 is how many calories in a 12 ounce Dr. Pepper. There you go. But I don't know. DP 150. I don't don't know if I can trust medlineplus.gov with this knowledge because they spelled Dr. Pepper with a period after the DR. So they don't really know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. It's false information. Or maybe maybe they know a little too much. Maybe that is the doctor of pepper. (laughs) I was going to say, like, they're a, they seem to be a, medic, a government website of medicine. They should know who's a doctor and who's not. I don't think they do. Dr. Pepper is an honorary title. This whole conversation's ridiculous. What's up, everybody? This is the SML Podcast. I am your host, Joe. We have a party cast uh, joining. We've got Chris, Brooke, Purnell, and Andy. How's everybody doing? Good. Okay. Hey, we're good. <laughs> Yay. We're there it is. I had to convert. I am happy. I'm just sleepy. There is zero energy on this episode tonight. What's everybody's reason for being tired? Let's go with that. That that might explain it. At least people will get it. Why are you tired? I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) Capitalism. Every every night night I take medicine at 8.30. And last night, for the first time in like a year and a half, I forgot to take my medicine until the next morning. So all the is still in my system, but now so also is like 300 milligrams of caffeine. So let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> that's my. So that's why you. So that's why you're tired from yeah. the meds. Okay, Chris is capitalism. Andy doesn't sleep. Um, I don't. Uh, you know, <laughs> and he's like, I'm just a walking battery. I, I really don't. don't. <laughs> I'm a zombie <laughs> most of the time. I will. I will say. Even when I'm being a total drain on society, um, I still don't sleep that well. So it's like, I guess I can't fully blame like my my scheduled workaday life. Really? I've been I I've been babysitting my switch for the past two days. You what? I've been babysitting my switch. I got a a new memory card for it, so I got an, a memory card reader. I popped the old card in. Plugged in my computer, made room for everything, copied everything over, threw the new memory card in, copied everything back over that, put it in the system. All the games showed up. Every single one had a cloud icon. <laughs> nice. Sorry okay, to hear that. Now I, and now I understand what you mean by babysitting. Yeah, that shit sucks. Yeah, so I had to sit there and download all my games <laughs> over the course of the past two days. That's so odd. It usually doesn't happen to me. I mean, I did it that way on purpose once, but... um. Yeah, it's yeah. over. It's done with. I have 
a shitload of room, so now I just have to find money to afford Nintendo games because of how pricey they are. Oh, just what, uh, don't buy Nintendo buys. Buy all that random eShop stuff like Hentai Girl. Yeah, yeah. I want I want to play the good stuff on the Switch. Download, <laughs> download, Hentai 19, Girl like good. download 19 oh, copies of Hentai Girl. There you <laughs> go. Bam. Do you know how much that game is listed in the eShop? I'm not Maybe even kidding. 20, dude. Isn't it like a dollar? I'm about to find out. No, the only one goes on sale at a time because they don't want to be found out. But there's actually so many copies of that game that are just <laughs> in there. And I don't know why, what their goal is with that because it does appear to be identical software. Lucky thing that uh, Nintendo's not like Steam. It doesn't save like your searches or anything like that. So <laughs> I'm not going to get my... Uh, suggested no results all muddied by this but <laughs> thank god right uh, let's see here okay uh i'm gonna count them now but it's hentai girls uh complete edition legendary edition ultimate edition special edition definitive edition uh hentai stars definitive edition hentai girls premium edition hentai girls extended edition deluxe edition platinum edition they're all the exact same price and appear to be the exact same content all they changed is one part of the title Jesus. That sounds and, unlevel. And the one that's $1.99 on sale, because they're all $19.19 on sale, Hentai Girls Game of the Year Edition is the one that goes on sale for like a buck ninety-nine. Oh, shit. It's a Game of the Year edition. It's like, <laughs> hey, did you win any awards? Um, under the when bridge. Was that uh, let me see. Let me see what year we're talking about here. Uh... The eShop is very slow, so this may take me a second. To... <laughs> Under the bridge. Like, that's we went oh, in a, a, a bridge. This, a bridge this year. This year. Eight days ago. Oh, it so won I, Game of the Year 2024. Ain't that some shit? We haven't uh, even wow. yeah, we can, the work show yet. Congratulations. That is a quick turnaround. Yeah. That is quite the honor. I gotta we say. Have to call this, we have that's to call cool. this SML Podcast Game of the Year Edition. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I approve because God, gee. Nap of the year edition. There you go. Um, but yeah, this this is just just in front of me. Uh, this is about eleven. No, uh, twelve, thirteen. I'm mixing it up with hentai stars, but that's the exact same game too because that's like the same. That thing is also a thing that exists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hentai stars though. Yeah, so between the two, okay, so let's just count. Her wish list looked drastically different, Chris. 12, 13, 13, 18. Just like that, I woke up a little. Exactly 20. So there are 20 copies of this game out there. Nice. Nice. Now it's time to review them all and find out which one stands out. Oh, boy. First game God. to talk about tonight. <laughs> yeah. How much do you hate us? How much do you hate your audience? How much do you hate oh, us? Man. First through 20th <laughs> game oh, to talk about tonight. You know Aki would it's be on funny. that job. And it's funny you say, I'm looking through my... St- the reason why I even thought of Hentai Girl to say that was because I'm going through my Steam, like, trending among your friends, and I have one friend who is apparently playing Pretty Angel and Hentai Girl. I'm like, okay, there you go. I'm sure that's on the Steam, on the Switch store. <laughs> so go and behold. Thankfully, someone's also playing Zeno Tilt, and I appreciate that game. That game is awesome. That and really ask Libra. I'm going to gauge they might be playing something that's coming up on the show. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that might be me. <laughs> no, 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 no
But oh yeah, that's right. Xeno Tilt is uh, related to Demons Tilt. Mm-hmm. Is the sequel the the? Oh, that's interesting. Nice. I haven't played a modern pinball game. Maybe I should try one. Oh man! So I'm not sure if you're familiar with these games at one point, but there was like a pinball pair of games on the Turbo Graphics 16. Um, Alien Crush and Devil's Crush. Oh no, I know Aliens Crush and Devil's Crush. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know in that those case, games. you would love these. Then you would, if you like those, you'd love these because they were directly inspired by those specific pinball games. Yeah, there's also Dragon Crush on Genesis, which I think was just Devil's Crush with different skins, and uh, Jackie Crush on the Super Famicom, which I actually Wait. own a cartridge of. Was a Jackie Chan pinball? No, Jackie like J A K I crush oh 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 so like uh okay. like yeah it's kind of like basically saying a demon demon crush i mean it's very okay. devil's crush ish uh but yeah it's a type of japanese demon or ogre according to definitions of it but it's the same yeah. same publisher and and uh developer and everything well so. i can say with confidence 100 percent confidence now well I mean, let me take that back i can say with 80 percent confidence now that you would like Devil, I was like, um, Zeno Tilt and Demon's Tilt. Noise. I'll check them out. And if you would like to know more about Demon's Tilt, feel free to go back and check out episode uh, 435 of the Ooh, SML podcast. Very nice. Boy, where to be on where, top of that? Where I sit down with uh, guest co-host Pernell Vaughn and Adam <laughs> Ferrando to discuss the action pinball game Demon's Tilt on Steam. That was a good conversation, Did too. Did you say Pernell Vaughn? Yes. <laughs> I'm in. I heard he has no some fans. Asked. We got, oh, yeah, we got, he's got a we lot. Got. He's got in the hundreds, I would say. Hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> in the hundreds. Yeah. Speaking of hundreds, I'm, I'm wearing my SML ten years ten listener shirt today. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a. I mean, you might have to share that shirt. That sounds like a cool one, actually. <laughs> ten years ten listeners. <laughs> I still wear my stupid since 2013. That's a. I love that shirt. It is so comfy. The new ones are really I, I good like too. It. Like uh, my peanut shirt might be my favorite shirt that I own. It's just no. a picture of peanut and it says peanut above it. <laughs> That's it. That's all the shirt is. Peanut and I pet. love it so much because I love peanut dearly. She is so cute. Peanut, peanut. Oh, so how is everyone else's week? <laughs> I'm like I said, I'm just sleepy, mm-hmm. but otherwise I'm hanging in there. Um, I went to the gym on Sunday because, um, a friend's boyfriend was teaching a class. And of course, my dumbass was like, oh, wow, you can help me learn how to do some stuff that maybe I'm not doing at my current gym. So she was like, I can get you in for free as a guest and you can come check out his class. And that was just my me being like, is this a is this a me being emasculated and not realizing it? And I was like, but it's also free exercise. So I took it up, went to this fitness club and got the shit kicked out of me. I burned, <laughs> uh, I burned over a thousand calories in an hour. According Jeez. to my swatch junk, I was dead and my legs still hurt. So, of course, today I worked out two times, one time wearing a 25-pound vest. I'm exhausted. And then I was like, I should go back tonight and do it again. I did it again after patching a sink. So, <laughs> I'm like drippy, Oh, you can fix dry. sinks? Pernell, what are you Man. doing this weekend? Journey. Let's not, let's not go nuts. I patched the <laughs> sink as in like the bottom of a sink. Had a crack in it, and I sealed that bastard up. I am not a plumbing guy right now. I'm scared of plumbing. Oh, you're Even hired after too late. How to turn off water. 
No. (laughs) I am a man of many talents. Many equals one in this instance. Um, Plumbing. No, I kid. But yeah. Chris, how was your week? (laughs) Uh, Pretty good. I, um been working on musical things had a show last week and have some uh we're working on uh super high tops is working on an extension of our newest medley which is uh, earthbound music so i'm learning Ooh. some earthbound music yeah we're covering my attention yeah how we're, bound uh, is it uh, what <laughs> <laughs> no, that was bad pun oh <laughs> But yeah, we're uh, we got booked for a, a show in Austin uh, next month, and so we're hoping to have it whipped out by then. We always record our shows, so I'll have that available once it's fully out. And of course, we'll be doing a video along the way too, which is pretty cool. Um, so I'm working on that. I'm working on a guest track that uh, is also funk oriented, but I'm not sure uh, how much of that I can talk about yet. Mm. Um, and yeah, just uh, and then working with my band Thunder people, and we're uh, uh, in the midst of uh, basically working with a new drummer because the thing with drummers in Austin, they're all busy. So if one, <laughs> if you have a drummer and one of his bands starts taking off, then you kind of get to lose them. <laughs> so that's happened. Or if they uh, blow up on Twitch. <laughs> yeah, no, that that wasn't a drummer. That was our that was our bassist. I thought uh, he played drums. Group. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, one of, uh, one of my longtime collaborators left all of his bands, two of which, or, uh, yeah, two, two of which were video game music bands, um, because he got too famous on Twitch, which is a good problem to have, I suppose. Um, but anyways, yeah, I've been working on that stuff, and, uh, I just started a game of, uh, of Ra- Radiata Stories on, uh, on PS2, which I'd never gotten Ooh. to play before. And I'm delighted by it. It's putting a big smile on my face. Very cool. It's a, it's a very, very charming game. I, I recommend it. Because it's still cheap. You can still buy it for like 20 bucks. Did that get re-released a, on anything? Mm-mm. No. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, so you may be Christ thinking goodness. of Radiant Historia. That's which the I one always, I'm thinking of. That's I always right. mix those up, yeah. Radiant Historia was released on the DS. It's completely unrelated. And it got re-released on the 3DS. That's right. Um, I I have both versions of that, and at some point, I thought that meant that I had radi- Radiata stories, but Radiata stories is just a whole different thing that has yet to be re-released. They just sound a lot like like the the words Sperry and Barry. Andy, how was your week? <laughs> oh, sorry, I was yawning while you were asking me that. <laughs> uh, Didn't you just have man? a stream anniversary? I did just have a stream anniversary. Yeah, my two years on Twitch, which is pretty G-G. cool. Uh, Javors is in the chat. Actually, I got rated by Javors too, which nice. is awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, we played a lot of party games. I, I gave away a lot of like Switch or not Switch, uh, Steam code keys. Uh, I had a couple of buddies who have like kind of helped me along along the way the last couple of years. You know, jump in chat and hang out with us too. So it was it was awesome. We had a really good time. Um, also, the same day, I, I went over to a buddy's house, and he told me that he booked us a show, um, our first show for April 27th. Very cool. Uh, so that'll be fun. We just got to write some music for it. <laughs> <laughs> we have like four half Video songs. game covers. So, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think I talked about this before. Our our band is uh, is called Skulltron 5000. And, good uh, name, I approve. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, it's just two of us, so it's like a very 
kind of dance with the dead feel like guitars and uh like synth synthesizers um so we're working on that but yeah besides that just been playing games uh picked up Helldivers 2 so i've been playing a lot of that when the servers are available and and chilling (laughs) what's the verdict on that one i've got that Uh, came up today as suggested to buy shoot i i thought i think it's awesome i i was a big Helldivers one fan i probably bought that game across multiple systems multiple times you know uh and they in in my opinion i feel like they capture capture the same gameplay you know or like the same style but uh improve it a little bit with the the third person kind of shooter aspect to it so without going too much into it you know i'm not paid to review that game so i can't talk too much about it but (laughs) but i think it's good you know the servers are just jam-packed though there's i think they i don't know uh i read something the other day saying that they were that they were capping the servers yeah it's like four hundred and fifty thousand people like on playstation alone or something that's ridiculous yeah yeah that's that's something we'll be talking about more on thursday with the news because i was gonna talk about how that game's just been blowing up but uh speaking of uh, news there's one very small news bit we have to tackle this week it is very very important because our elden lord is here in person and Brooke, we need your thoughts. Elden Ring Shadow of the Erd Tree DLC is coming in oh my June. God. Uh, Yo. Okay. <laughs> the only reason I know about this is because Tim, our previous Elden Lord, Elden Lord much longer than I have been Elden Lord <laughs> for us, uh, messaged me earlier and he was like, Brooke, did you hear about the Elden Ring DLC? And I said, nah, bitch, I'm at work and I have SML right after this. I'm going to look at that later. And he was like, I cannot fucking believe you right now. I was like, I'm going to talk to you later, King. Uh, so yeah, actually, I don't know anything about that except what Tim told me. Um, but I'm really excited to look at that later. Uh, I've been waiting for this for a really long time. I so think they're, they're going to be showing a, a trailer for it tomorrow or tonight, something like that. Uh, there are rumors that there's going to be a new physical edition that includes the DLC for Xbox series X and S and PS five. Apparently a new collector's physical edition is going to be coming for series X and S PS five and well series X at least can't pop a disc in a series S PS five and PC. Thimber came through with that news in our chat earlier. That's awesome. Uh, Are you going to invest in a collector's edition if they come out? Haha, <laughs> trick question. The answer is no, because I bought a steel case from Joe, uh, the host <laughs> of the show. So no need. No, nah, I'm going to buy that too. You know I love limited editions. Did and, that show up all right? Uh, yeah. yeah, it looks amazing. I'll take a picture. Hey, I can't remember, Brooke. Did did you play it on PC or, or PS5? I actually or played Xbox. it on PlayStation, on uh, PlayStation 4. Well, you might be. Yeah, I'm not know. sure if it's. I think it. I think it should be cross-play between four and five. I actually started playing it again recently in the last like two weeks. Buddy of mine started playing it on PlayStation, so he's. We are helping each other dig ourselves out of the dregs of initial game areas. So, if you find yourself feeling bored, and you're like, "Hey, I want to help this sucker finally play through the damn game." Let me know, and we could yeah. play on PlayStation. I would love that. And like, I don't know, Joe knows that when I really, really, really love a game, a lot of the games I love are just not released physically in English over here. So (laughs) I bought like, I bought Japanese limited editions that I can't actually play. Like if I put, I mean, if I put a couple hundred hours into a game or if a game makes me cry and that's all the above for Elden Ring, that was a really special experience for me. Like I just want a, I want a physical copy. I don't know why, but I know there are 
some people in this chat who definitely get it, even if we can't explain. Oh, it's a great freaking game. The only reason yeah, I didn't finish it, the only reason I didn't finish it is because I just, I don't know what, I got sidetracked eventually, but I just wasn't making progress. I was spending too much time just like walking around going, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's <laughs> that? Ooh, what's that? And then 70 hours went by and I beat like one of the big bosses in the entire game after 70 hours. So I was like, well, <laughs> hey, did you have fun with those time. 70 hours? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I had a great time doing it. And now I'm obsessed with trying to dual wheel claws. That's what I have. That's how I want to play the game. <laughs> wow. I just want to be freaking Wolverine in a loincloth, just ripping things up. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, blood, since we're all everything. having a good time, should we ruin it and get three views? Hey, hey, uh, hey, 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 Joe's got this giant like jaw. No, we good to dive into these. Let's sure. talk about review booms. All right. I guess so. First game to talk about tonight is Lords of Exile, developed by Squidbit Works, published by Pid Games and Pixel Heart, released February 14th on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for $19.99. Embark on a quest for revenge in Lords of Exile, an 8-bit side-scrolling action platformer set in the far lands of Exilia, with classic retro mechanics and linear level design and 8-bit graphics. Uh, Chris, tell us about your time spent with Lords of Exile. Okay, so Lords of Exile. And by the way, apologies in advance if I cut out. My internet's been terrible, especially on Tuesdays. Yay. Um, yay. So, uh, yeah, so Lords of Exile is basically a, um, you know, what you would call a retro throwback game. Uh, now, these always come in, like, different flavors. Some of them are very, like, um, very true to the format. Uh, like, you know, this is uh, an NES game that I made that is actually on an NES cartridge, but you can download it on the Switch or whatever. Um, some of them are, you know, they look 8-bit, but they're actually, like, really over the top. Um, you know, 60 frame a second, uh, like, you know, lots of graphics, lots of extra sound channels. Like, kind of a, 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 you know, it gives you the idea that, oh, this would have been awesome if it, if it would have come out on the NES, but, you know, it would have never worked or anything like that, you know. Uh, there's some games like that. Um, so something like a, a Shovel Knight or, uh, you know, uh, The Messenger or something like that. Um, so this game is kind of straddling the two in that it is too fancy for, for real hardware, but it, not quite. Uh, so you play as uh, Gabriel, a they say it's a, a Far East warrior, like I guess a samurai or a ninja, um, but he... They also describe him as a knight. He just kind of just looks like a mean guy with a sword. I mean, that's fine, too. But uh, but yeah, this uh, basically his um, some bad guys come and, you know, he's, he's got to get revenge on him. Uh, they kill his uh, his betrothed. She never gets a name. Uh, so oh. it's that kind of game. Yeah, uh, she is described at one point as a corpse. So, you know, this game's very tender and loving and very sympathetic. It's very uh, sensitive about about the things that are going on. But yeah, you basically uh, romp through eight stages, uh, each with a, you know, with a badass boss at the end of it. Um, lots of platforming, lots of sword swinging, uh, three uh, sub weapons that will look very familiar to folks who played a certain kind of game of Vania. Um 
and yeah, but this one actually, uh, it it has some, it has a lot of Castlevania DNA in here. I mean, it really does. Uh, the movement speed of of Gabriel is exactly that of a Simon Belmont or Trevor Belmont, uh, if you prefer. But you know, it's very much that eight bit kind of uh, confident plod, more so than like a running or uh, or you know just anything anything like modern you know he could this guy does not move like a modern uh platformer would um but yeah like i said you get your big sword with this big swoosh uh it like i said it contains mostly castlevania dna but there's a little bit of shadow of the ninja in here which i really appreciate because i i'm one of the one of the only people i know that was like playing shadow of the ninja like as early as 2001 like you know before the internet had heard of you know natsume's awesome like a uh, collection of really good action games like, you know, Shatterhand, which, by the way, this has uh, at least one thing that it kind of took from Shatterhand, too, and that's that it has a uh, a ghost partner that you can uh, have tag alongside you and um, and like it kind of floats above you. And if you it, if you hold down the attack button, it does a charge shot that breaks through walls and stuff. Pretty cool stuff. Um, and that's that's kind of like Shatterhand's uh, little robot buddies that you get in those games. But yeah, these are high pedigree uh nes games that i'm that i'm name dropping here so it is a it's definitely got like those those elements are there um like i said you know the intro story is is you know decidedly cheesy in that sense that it's pretty masculine um and like i said literally does not give the woman who died a name that is your uh your mission uh and it has like some uh, some measure of gore in it. Uh, some enemies like slice in half like a cartoon meat when you uh, slice them with your sword, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, like really, there's in in that essence, there's nothing really wrong with the game. Um, the uh, and the other thing is that it that is interesting about it to me is that it is an eight bit NES style soundtrack, but they just went ahead and threw in. Uh, a Sega Genesis FM like synthesizer in there as well. So it's got like an NES soundtrack, but with Genesis like guitars like coming in. It's a good effect. Um, it's just I've never heard somebody like being like, we're using, you know, old school sound samples, but uh, but we're going to just like mix them up. <laughs> and uh, I kind of appreciate that the soundtrack is very boss in this game. It's, it's very, very cool. Um, yeah, like I said, the these things are all very, very good. Um, I appreciate this game. I do like it. Um, there's just a little bit of like stuff that is kind of left over from those eras that one wonders why uh, why this game chooses to be uh, the way it is about certain things. Uh, one is the total lack of any options. Um, <laughs> the options are language and then a music and sound slider. Uh, now, when I was playing this all up until just earlier today i mean literally this afternoon uh the attack button was mapped permanently to x and the jump button to a uh this is great unless you want to play this with an nes controller uh at which point you can jump but you cannot slash um you know so like x and a on the switch yeah and that if that uh if that sounds familiar that's the way uh odalis and oniken did it at first um (laughs) <laughs> but but they changed it to where you could map the buttons. See, that's the correct move. Uh, what they've done here, uh, you know, whomever sent out the update just this afternoon, they just shifted it to where now Y is attack and B is jump. Uh, so they gave it, you know, 
Oh, and the sub button, the sub weapon is uh, is X now. Uh, the sub weapon was A before, or not A, uh, B. So, um, so yeah, like it's kind of a step in the right direction because those are cast Super Castlevania Four controls, but there's no option to change them to anything else. So, you know, now you can use a Super Nintendo controller. You know, you could before, but uh, yeah, just. Give us give us some more options, folks. Like if we're gonna be in the modern era, we need some options. Uh now I do appreciate that in this uh in this game bereft of options, we don't have a CRT filter at all. <laughs> the game <laughs> is just presented with clean ass pixels. Um, even a little bit of like sprite flicker here and there for like just you could tell it's kind of for taste. Um it's got actually some pretty cool little subtle effects that I like that would not have been present on the NES, but uh, but then certain explosions like look like they're lifted directly from other things um, that are very familiar, uh, which I really like. Uh, but yeah, there's no way to make this look like a jank ass like you know SVGA monitor or whatever. Um, so I like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, the uh, the stages are like are good. They're uh, you know for, if you're a modern player, you know. Uh, these these stages are ex- extremely linear. There's no backtracking. There's no, you know, sometimes you can choose an upper path or a lower path to get through. Uh, sometimes that choice is correct. Some, or, you know, sometimes it's incorrect, and sometimes it's like either or is fine. Um, you do have infinite lives, but you do have to, you know, go back to a checkpoint when you die, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm not really complaining about that. You can purchase, uh, you get coins that you can use to purchase, like, life, um, things like that, but not really any, like, permanent upgrades as far as I can tell. Like, you can either, I mean, I really only ever see hearts that are for sale, um, so kind of lowers the incentive to have a money system if that's, if you're just, you know buying stuff that enemies are gonna well actually the enemies don't really drop those anyway so um so yeah it's just like it kind of feels like the whole thing is a little basic um and like i said that would be just fine if this was the old school like purist kind of this would fit on an nes cart type of game but they're clearly like aesthetically especially they're going for something special here so i kind of question why uh you know there's an extremely limited move set. Like I said, there's only three sub weapons. Uh, it's you know, and it's jump and attack. Other than that, and your character doesn't dash. He doesn't do like a double jump. He doesn't do anything special. He's like just got uh, about seventy percent of what Simon Belmont had in 1986. You know, like so it just seems got- like a, a bit of lost potential on this one. A little bit, only in like I said, the fact that it's uh, it's just kind of minimal. Uh, in gameplay where it's you know trying to be a little bit more maximal in presentation which again is not bad necessarily but i i wonder about it um having said the game is fun to play and i like it a lot so i'm not deducting points from it i'm just saying that if you're going into this expecting like a messenger uh or a you know uh moonrider you know uh blazing chrome type of modern experience that looks like an old school experience, then you might be a little disappointed at what you're presented with gameplay wise. Oh, you can slide in this game, by the way. So it does have the Mega Man three in it, too. Um, I just remembered. (laughs) And it's and it's got a stomp, but the stomp is really only for like, I don't know. Anyway, it has some other it has some moves in it. So I'm, I'm I don't mean to sell it short. I literally just forgot until just now. Um, but yeah, if you're like looking for all the modern stuff that like the modern retro games have, 
you you're going to be missing those and if you're looking for the pure uh one-to-one retro like experience you're also going to be missing there too um having said this kind of hybrid of it is not unpleasant it is actually quite nice so there you go that's my complex review of uh of uh this uh fairly simple game (laughs) cool well it clocks in at 20 bucks what's your verdict at 20 bucks, I would buy it, but um, I would say that, again, bearing all these caveats in mind, if this sounds really interesting to you or if you just want to get in on that really banging soundtrack and, you know, just kind of zone out with just a really good platformer, yeah, 20 bucks is worth it. Um, you do get extra modes that unlock if you beat the game, uh, like getting to play as a girl. <laughs> that is not unlocked at the beginning, uh, which is another bold move. And... Um, but yeah, you get extra modes if you beat the game. So there's extra content here and things like that. Um, you know, f- for everyone else who's like kind of interested in it, you know, I'd say wait for a sale. I wouldn't say ignore it completely. I would not say that um, because it's it's pretty good and worth your attention. Well, sounds good. Cool. Uh, before we move on to the next game, quick survey. If you could have a pancake flavored lip balm, what kind of pancake would you like? Because we've done original pancake and we've done blueberry pancake. What other options would you like? Strawberry. That's a good one. Yeah, strawberry. I was thinking just like whipped cream. The other one could be birthday cake. That's become really popular or confetti as the kids I like quick pecan. Ooh. Well, maple is pretty much already. That That is fancy southern lady pancakes right there. Get that like chocolate chip pancakes. Chocolate chip. Ooh, there we go. See, I like chocolate chip, but the problem with chocolate chip and me is that I can't, that I cannot then put syrup on it because that's just too much. Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, the fl- flavor conflict? You would put chocolate syrup on it, though. Uh, I could. It still feels like, <laughs> still feels like too much, though. It does. Is it like it's a flavor conflict or is it just too sweet? It's yeah, it's just shockingly sweet. Um, root just, beer just says cum flavor. <laughs> Jesus, root beer. Why? Coming from the person uh, who named themselves after a popular lip balm flavor. I guess there are folks up there just, just making cum pancakes. Though. I don't know. I don't even want to know <laughs> yeah, about that world. They can that keep it, it. That it tastes authentically cum flavored. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. We'll have to Is hold a contest. Pancake. This is a terrible segue oh, we into a next review. Uh, next, game, next game to talk about is Moonbreaker, developed by Unknown Worlds, published by Krafton, released February 1st on Steam for $29.99. Moonbreaker is a turn-based strategy tactical skirmish game. The game is designed to be a true digital miniatures experience set in an expansive sci-fi universe crafted by Brandon Sanderson. Direct captain and crew in gripping, ever-changing competition and adventure. Brunel, tell us about your time with Moonbreaker. So, best way to describe Moonbreaker, someone sat down and said, I really like playing Warhammer, but Warhammer is really expensive. Wouldn't it be cool if we could play a game that feels like Warhammer digitally, has a flat cost, and we can just kind of have our own skirmishy good time with it? Well, that's what these guys did, because essentially that's what Moonbreaker pretty much is. It is a tactical combat game that uses digitized miniatures to do the scuffling. And when I say miniatures, I don't mean like you would think like a Fire Emblem game where the character just kind of runs across the map and does their damage. I'm talking 
a miniature that actually is a figurine that wobbles over and then like if it doesn't like, attack it'll like kind of tip into a guy or spin into the guy um it's actually pretty cool how they did this but um it is a miniature combat game it's interesting in that it doesn't have a ton of features to it per se but the features that it does have are solid because of the fact that they knew what they were going for and they went hard with it and gave you a lot for those features so, give an example. Um, the primary element for this game, if you're doing single player, is the boss run mode. Boss run mode is 10 levels where you are basically having skirmishes against rival units or rival teams, with, the, with each one getting more and more difficult and you getting more buffs as you progress through the levels. Um, I should probably discuss how combat actually works in general, since that's pretty much what all these are going to be based off of. So... You get to choose a captain. A captain could be one of like 10 or so different units. They have a large hit point pool. They have a multitude of special abilities and attacks. And they can also summon smaller unit types using leadership energy or leadership points. In boss run mode, when you pick one of these captains, they come with a base of units that they can come that they can summon onto the field. And after you go to each level, you can get new units. That can be applied to your team. You can swap them in and out. If a unit gets destroyed during combat, they stay dead. So you can actually replace them with a new unit if you can get one between levels. Um, and you're basically just having these combat battles. Um, the units themselves come in one of two varieties, generally. You have melee attackers and you have ranged attackers. Melee attackers can only do damage to the opponent's units if they get right up in their face and just do their attack power move. Um, ranged attackers, the exact opposite. They can attack from a distance. When they get summoned onto the board, though, using leadership points from the leader unit, they cannot move at the initial offset. Instead, they can do attacks if they're summoned into a place where an enemy is near enough that they can do so. And summoning is done by dropping a unit either near the leader or a previously summoned unit. So you can use that to your advantage to gain a lot of ground on the map. Uh, once you get either the unit's leader, the other team's leader could deploy them, defeated, or you get five attack points worth of dumb, you know, points done to your side of the team. The game is over. Points are done in a tug of war style, so it's not just I got five points first. It is literally if you get say four points and you're about to win, and the opponent either captures a base to get a point, or they defeat one of your units to get a point, you lose the point, and it comes to it basically just drops theirs down. So it's like pulling it back, and then it goes to your side. And eventually it ticks over to the other side, and they have five points, and boom, it's over. It's a pretty cool idea in that whole tug-of-war aspect, as opposed to just, I got five first. Because it makes you feel a lot more aggressive in the combat, having to get you know knee-deep in it to make some really you know key clutch decisions. Um, I mentioned the range attacks, and I mentioned the melee attacks. Units also have special abilities that can be invoked by using sender, unit, or sender points. And those are generated every turn by the leader unit and also each unit that gets summoned. They all bring in their own amount of sender. Whereas leadership points that are not spent carry over between rounds. Sender does not. So if you got it, burn it. Use all of it. Again, it incentivizes you to be aggressive and use everything you've got to the best of your ability. If you win a match, you get experience points. That goes towards increasing your user rank. But also all of your character units get experience points that you use in that battle. And when they level up, you get like decoders and such that gives you more lore about the characters, hence where I'm guessing a lot of the, the Sanderson came in, Brian Sanderson came into play here. 
but uh, you get a bunch of lore on the characters as you level them up and learn more about them. As you level up your guy, you all, uh, your main you know profile, you also gain access to more things for use in the collect and paint mode. Because collect and paint is literally what it sounds like. You take a miniature figurine, <laughs> you can go into a paint editor, and they give you a rather elaborate painting system. You can spray paint units, you can mix paints to get a new paint color, you can dab paint, you can blast paint. You can do so many ridiculous things, more so than I ever would have thought to do. And the thing I think that's kind of cool about it is that if you were to type that's like, oh, I like the idea of painting miniatures, but like in real life, Warhammer is not cheap. If you want to play Warhammer, you're going to regret it. You're going to go in there with a lot of lost money unless you luck out and just get a ton of money from like a you know a dead relative or something. I don't know. And they just kind of hook you up. But if you like the idea of painting figurines and getting to experience the joy of that without having to dive into the deep cost of potentially screwing up a figure or whatnot, this game gives you that ability. And even though you might be thinking, well, it's not the same because I'm not dabbing it with an actual paintbrush. I'm not getting the finesse of getting it just right. Yeah, kind of true, but also not 100% because you get the finesse in a different way with your mouse and clicks. Um, but... Whereas with that, that sounds like it would be a great tool for like a digital artist. Yes, it really. Like you don't even have to do... be into the game at all. You could just be like someone interested honestly... in painting digital artwork and find a lot to love in this. Oh, 100 percent. There are so many units in this game and all of them can be painted and, you know, just tweaked around and suit your fancy that you can spend all of your time in this game just painting figures. Of course, if you don't play the game proper, you won't unlock things like the metallic paints and like certain other elements to it. But even if you don't, there's just a lot here that you can work with, even at the offset, just to have fun with it. Um, and I feel like a, there are a number of people that may well just buy this game for that purpose alone. And of course, the last mode that I didn't mention yet is multiplayer, which kind of speaks for itself in that it is 1v1 against a human player if you can get them online to play with you. This is the sort of game where I would like I wouldn't mind getting some of my digital board game playing friends and buy a copy for themselves and be like, hey, let's have some skirmishes, friends. That way, when we lose, we lost to each other, not to some jerk on the Internet, um, <laughs> which, as you know, I'm almost like anti play games with humans that aren't people I know. Um, but there is something really wonderful about this. Cause I like playing like miniature games like on the table. Like I like Blood Rage and like Lords of Hellas and stuff like that. But I never got into like, you know, the Warhammers and all because of the aforementioned, you know, pay to enter the cost of entry to play those games. Yeah. Uh, but this game is pretty fun for that. They don't overcomplicate things. The complication comes in the strategy itself, not in the execution of the gameplay, because at the core, the gameplay is pretty simple. It's the easy to learn, tough to master concept is what that comes down to. And since the majority of your opponents beyond boss run are going to be humans you'll always be learning something new to how to defeat a human. And also, I should mention one last thing before I forget. Boss Run is 10 battles. Each one gets progressively harder. And the game kind of generates, you know, boss, you know, boss leaders and armies for you to battle. Which means that there is a... If you don't mind the fact that you're mainly playing just to have skirmishes, just, I want to have more skirmishes... There is a damn there's a, there's a large swath of gameplay here. I don't want to say infinite because that seems you know disingenuous, but I'd badge, I'd wager you'd get tired of playing the game before you run out of scenarios to engage in with this game. Between choosing your unit group 
the perks and you know, ship assists you can acquire as you play each round, and then what the enemies are, the generated enemies are, and the map you end up playing on during the boss run. It is near infinite, and again, as long as you don't care about the fact that you're not, you know, unlocking you know new weapons or whatever, and instead you're just you're unlocking paints and profile picture stuff, and just having fun with the mechanics that the game offers. There's a lot to love here, and I I can recommend it a hundred percent. It's not yeah. it's not even a hard to recommend. Well, it clocks in at thirty bucks. We need an official verdict on it. I officially say blast some moons. Get on this and play. Bye. <laughs> All right, next up is Bzzz, developed by KO.dll, published by Cinemax Games, released November 13th on Steam for $11.99. Jump into the retro future world with the nostalgic arcade journey of a tiny robot named ZX8000. Experience an engaging story, upgrade your robotic abilities, challenge yourself in stages full of ever-changing gameplay mechanics, and compete with other players in global and friend leaderboards. Andy, tell us about your time playing Bzzz. What a great game, too. What a what a great game title, too. Uh, bizz- so fun to say. Is it bizz or bizz? I don't know how many Zs you need for that. Three Zs. Uh, bizz- so bizz- bizz- places players in command of a proficient platforming robot. Uh, the top secret creation of Professor Norbert and Dr. Emily. Uh, players must test their platforming expertise. It is a highly addictive, highly uh, difficult platforming game. Uh, by navigating through meticulously designed levels, dodging perilous obstacles, uh, you'll try to avoid saws, laser beams, robotic adversaries, uh, electronic blocks, you know, uh, worlds that fall apart too. It's kind of crazy. Uh, one platforming challenge at a time. Uh, bzz, elevates itself beyond the standard precision <laughs> platformer by featuring challenge, uh, challenging boss encounters. There are some cool boss encounters too. Uh, there's a couple change up in the levels too, besides platforming. Uh, the bosses are neat, uh, with a few extra abilities that you pick up along the way. There's, uh, there's one level where you're, it, it kind of gives you this, um, uh, side scrolling, like spaceship level, which was really neat. Just kind of broke things apart a little bit. And the game continues to like challenge you to every level. So, uh, introduces all kinds of mechanics. Uh, the dash, the double jump, uh, you get an ability to transform into a ball of energy to kind of a- avoid obstacles like throughout the level and appear in different areas of the level too. Um, those overall overall enhance the gameplay, but uh, also introduce um, uh, a lot more challenging dynamics uh, as you gain like a like the dash, for instance, then they start setting the levels uh, apart so that you're going through and having to dash through all these different areas, you know. They introduce a mechanic and then just, like, really drive that one home and then introduce a new mechanic and really drive that one home, too. So it makes it makes it a lot more challenging, um, makes use. It, they really kind of let you know, like, hey, this is what we're going to use for the next little bit. Um, very immersive levels uh, adorned with uh, vibrant retro-inspired graphics, um, it's got a nice uh, kind of like retro style chiptune soundtrack. Uh, really like blends the aesthetic, you know, for modern and retro gameplay there. Um, each level has a diverse machine inspired biome. Uh, there's like inside kind of a laboratory. There's uh, there's almost like a foresty feel. Uh, later on, you're you're almost in like a like a electronic dungeon, I would say. It gets a little crazy. 
uh, very futuristic feeling. Um, and then, so your options are to either just beat the level or beat the level with the time trial or beat the level with the time trial and collect all these little gold, uh, they're like gold bolts. So if you collect all the gold bolts and uh, beat the level in under the time, each level is is like 20 seconds, you know, or something like that. But you're going to be playing this thing over and over and over again. I mean, I probably played each level like 10 times at the minimum. Um, it caters also to a full range of skills. I played this with my kids. They loved it. They thought it was awesome up to a point, which was kind of funny. Uh, most of the time difficult. it was like... It got it got pretty difficult too, but they they uh, they have a couple different difficulty options. Um, they have kind of a casual mode, uh, a more challenging mode, you know, for for uh, regular platforming people. And they also they also have a permadeath mode, which I didn't try that one out uh, on this one. I tried it on the demo, and it's really hard. You get like seven lives to go through fifty two levels. And I did not want to try that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not normally a permadeath player. So uh, I enjoyed it and I thought the kids enjoyed it too. They had a, a great time with it. We all passed the controller back and forth. Um, it was usually like they would beat a level or fail a level, you know, and then I'd go through and, and beat it, you know, and try to 100% it. Uh, I did actually 100% the game too, which was pretty awesome. Uh, collecting all the all the bolts and also making it all the way through the level and under the time. Um, oh, I thought it was great. Job. Yeah, thanks. You, Mr. Not, I mean, not bands. to toot my own horn or anything, you know. I'm a pretty good <laughs> platforming player, but uh, but yeah, no, I thought it was a great game. I mean, the uh, the boss encounters were were a cool kind of mix into the whole overall feel. Uh, normally, I mean, you get you get bosses and platformers, but this one is is uh really designed around just like kind of making it through the end of the level. Uh, so that was fun, and they they have enough challenges too that you know you're gonna be you're not gonna play a level and I don't know uh, I feel like a lot of platformers kind of do that where they play a level and you're like all right I've played this level before you know there was enough variety and it keeps things moving the whole time that it was challenging and fun sounds good well it clocks in at eleven ninety nine what are your thoughts on that uh, I would definitely get it yeah for eleven ninety nine I would I would pick this one up again uh, I had a lot of a lot of enjoyment playing it. Uh, this was, I think this was also designed by like one dude or mostly designed by one guy. And uh, I'm hoping, because there's only 52 levels that they uh, they throw out like some DLC or something for it too. Because this was, this was really good. Uh, got lots of really good reviews too, like online, very positive on Steam. And uh, came out just a couple months ago. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say buy it, get it. Yeah, I'm looking at the the guy's Twitter page, which we'll have in the show description, obviously. I like having all that stuff down there. Uh, looks like it's just one guy who made this game. So, very cool. Or one person. I can't I can't tell for sure based on the name. A-A-R-E-L, Carell, Carol, A-R-E-L. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. It was, yeah, they, they mentioned it. it you know? I, I, I am horrible at names, and I will ruin it no matter how I try to say it. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he goes by ko.dll. So uh, yep. yeah, I I thought it was a fantastic game. It was really fun dodging all the all the saws, all the all the laser beams. You know, it kept things interesting. There's a there's kind of a light story to it too. So um, it's not just uh, platforming. You know, cool. it's uh, it's it's got some depth to it too. So that was nice. So a worthwhile pickup. Yeah, I'd say definitely get it. Cool. Sounds good. 
All right. Well, Andy, that is it for you. We will let you get going. Thank you as always for coming on and hanging out with us. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Do you have Bye, any everybody. final thoughts before we let you go away? All right. Good to see everybody. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I hope you guys play some some interesting games and you guys are ready to to hear my review for next week. It's a crazy game. Now I want to know what it is. And you'll just have to wait till the next show. Ooh, you won't know. Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Always leave them wanting more. Very, <laughs> That's very how smart. you do it. That's how yeah, you yeah. do it. Right. Oh, I appreciate you guys. Right. Have a good night, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Later, guys. Have fun. Take it easy. Uh, next game, Sympathy Kiss, developed by Idea Factory and Design Factory, published by Idea Factory International, released February 27th on the Switch for $49.99, so it'll be out next week. Business and pleasure mix in thrilling office romance and slice of life drama. Uh, Brooke, I would normally read more, but you usually handle all the details far more in depth than those blurbs ever do. So I'm just going to let you talk and tell us about Sympathy Kiss. All right. And luckily, thank you so much. Luckily, (laughs) I planned ahead for this contingency plan or whatever, because if I start referencing parts of the blurb, that I need to, I've got it pulled up on my screen too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sympathy kiss. Uh, on a personal note, first off, before we officially review the game, first thing I want to say is I play video games for the escapism. So I was not expecting to get a game right now where the premise is I am an early career corporate woman, finally in my dream industry of gaming or tech, and everything's going great. Except there are layoffs happening at my company because of mergers and big name competitors. Uh, this is not escapism for my life for the past two years. Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> my friends are laughing their asses off at me getting this game today. And now that I've revealed I've been playing this. Uh, so thank you for joining me on my journey. Anyway, <laughs> first thing I want to say about Sympathy Kiss is if you take nothing else from this review and you only you drop listening in like two minutes, please know I consider this game to be a deliberate intentional funny and relatively steamy and mature love letter to the voltage inc and voltage entertainment usa phone apps of old a bit of uh d3 publisher vibes as well we've got some pub encounter and office lover vibes in here and i feel it's done impeccably well it's full of lots of real dating romance makeout scenes implied sex scenes stuff that we're not always getting in every atoma game in a pretty upbeat and chill slice of life setting that while it used to be a little common vibe wise is very different from the trends in Atome and romance romance games right now uh, and when I say voltage apps of old you know I do want to say those games they're still around kicking but I know a lot of us Atome fans came up on these classic games and apps a lot of them were slice of life comedy most of them about romance in some sort of work setting if not still most of the time we the main character and our romanceable love interest are young professionals of some sort trying to balance work and potentially a love life uh, there's no Normally no vampires or supernatural powers or Attack on Titan uh, crap going on in these games. It's just real-life romance, maybe at the most some crimes that could actually happen in our universe, no magical powers. Uh, If you don't have a background of playing these sorts of games, of apps in the past decade, here's a common setup of at least a few Voltage games, uh, and a couple D3 publisher games too. We wake up one morning and we get ready for our office job. Oh boy, I'm so excited to do a good job today at work, Uh, but I'm a little nervous because I'm still new. On our way to work, or at work before our first meeting, we run into about five or six different guys. One of them uh, definitely full frontal physically just bumps into us. We drop whatever we're holding. He's either really sorry or he yells, wow, watch where you're going, idiot. 
uh, maybe we run into both these type of guys this way uh, in this intro chapter. Maybe we get uh, both of them. Another guy this morning we meet because his sports car races down the road through a puddle, splashing us, a pedestrian, on the sidewalk. He gets out of his car and apologizes, offers us to take us to dinner, get our dress cleaned. Eventually, uh, we've arrived at our office. Worker work meetings begin, a company announcement is made, and we learn that suddenly we've been transferred onto a new elite team of supposedly the best workers our, our company has. Wow, really? Us? But we're just a young, regular worker. We haven't been singled out as a high-performer, knockout of in individual contributor, or successful executive at our company. Why would we be selected to help form this new elite team that's going to take the company to new heights? We're kind of new around here. This is our big break so why me and that is the question we may not find out the answer to in these games for a long time uh until later on in the game maybe but one thing's for sure we're here we're suddenly part of the new elite team everyone's talking about at our company and we're realizing that all the other members of this team are all the guys we happen to run into this morning randomly some of whom we didn't even know worked at our company and these will end up being the only men we can ever date for the rest of our lives Maybe also there's an owner of a bar or restaurant we all go to together as a work team after work. Maybe we can date that guy too. If this premise sounds familiar, because you're a Voltage Inc. Atome Games fan, buckle up because that's roughly the premise of Sympathy Kiss's prologue as well. Only in our game, here and now, unlike so many Voltage Inc. and D3 publisher Office Love classics, where everyone recognizes the new team at work is made up of the most elite workers in the company, there's whispers going around about how everybody on this team is about to be laid off next quarter so that the company can say that they threw their top performers at their now underperforming namesake app and it still didn't work so now rumor has it the company is going to ax and discontinue that app for reasons only warner executives axing films like acme versus coyote or whatever can truly understand that's our setup, but if you're rolling your eyes saying, wow, why would I play this game when you pointed out how generic the prologue is, uh, keep rolling them because you don't get it. This game is aware of exactly what it's doing, its influences, it knows uh, exactly what it's trying to do here, and in my opinion, Sympathy Kiss exists to give us what we could never have from Voltage Games, that full production Switch and console style, six to eight route Otome experience version of these games that we could only dream about. This game answers the question I always ask growing up on these games. What if a Voltage phone app normally split into a bunch of $2.99 route and supplemental material pieces on the phone were like one interlocking 60-hour well-written story that lasts as long and does all the other stuff that huge console Tomes do, such as Amnesia or Love or Pretend? Uh, that's the dream that's achieved here. So don't be hating just because it sounds generic. Uh, and the things that this game is referencing are so they can turn a lot of these tropes on their head for comedy's sake to delight any Atome player who will get this sort of humor, who has seen it before, because this game is intentionally extremely funny. And I think it's still funny even if you haven't played the games it's referencing and it's set up because it's objectively just ridiculous. If you're not familiar with Voltage and D3 Publisher era Atome apps, but you really love stuff like Cupid Parasite, you may fall deeply in love with this game because it's bringing a lot of the same vibe and environment in, although without some of the supernatural stuff that uh, Cupid Parasite is bringing us to. And now to bring us full circle to the first Atome game I ever reviewed for SML, the first game I ever reviewed, period, I'm gonna let this game and a little bit of what's doing speak for itself in the form of me introducing just a couple of its romanceable characters and how we get involved with them or end up in their routes. First of all, I want to apologize because I lied. We have two games, two guys you can date and enter the routes of from the beginning of the game who actually aren't part of our work team. 
Uh, but there are more Twist. love interests in this game. Twist. I said there would be just one. The bar owner or the restaurant owner of the place our work team goes to eat at or drink. We can date that guy, uh, the bar owner. Owner. In this game, his name is Shuya Asui. You do have to unlock him first. And he's like in his late 30s or 40s. That's kind of a big deal. Otome doesn't always give us these guys who are older. And a lot of Otome players are psyched about the bar owner in this game. And this game knows we are excited about him uh, for the reason. And for this reason, the game literally bills him as, direct quote, bar owner, handsome older man. Uh, but we also have another guy we don't work with at the office who we can date from the beginning. His name is Nori, and he is the homeless guy who hangs out around the bar that this, this guy owns. He's basically a stray. He's a sugar baby. He literally hangs out at the bar hoping some nice lady will let him go home with her so he can have some place to stay tonight. And when we are trying to head home from the bar, he is going to straight up just walk up to us on the road and ask us if he can crash. If we say no, he will cry about it, but we don't actually have to deal with it for long because our boss from work, Director Kobase, comes in to save us by saying, hey, leave the girl alone. If you, if you really need a place to stay, I have an extra room you can stay at for a while. Uh, remember this moment because it makes his route make slightly more sense later. Uh, anyway, back to Nori. If we tell his whiny, drunk, homeless ass, yes, you can crash, Director Kobase never arrives to cockblock us and Nori goes home with us that night. We don't have to sleep with him. We say this is just because we're feeling generous and we're such a good person. He sleeps on the couch. And in the morning, we ask him how long he's going to stay and whether he can go crash with his parents instead of us, maybe. He says, oh, man, wish I could, but I don't even know who my parents are because I have amnesia. I don't remember anything before this morning. And we're like, what the fuck, dude? Amnesia? I can't take care of you permanently. If you're mentally unwell, you got to get out of here. You can only stay two days. I told you yesterday you could ever, you could only stay two days. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I remember what you said yesterday. And you're like, oh, you do? Because you just said that you have amnesia and you only remember what happened today. And he's like, oh, my bad. And you're like, wow, are you just sitting here lying about having amnesia <laughs> to me? He's like, yeah, sorry about that. And that is how our route starts with this guy. Uh, but maybe your style as a player isn't to let a guy crash with you, though. Maybe you prefer to be the one who gets taken care of in your time of need. Well, if that's what you fancy, I highly recommend starting with good old director Kabase's route. He is your boss and manager. He's big and tall and scary and gruff at work, and everyone's scared of him, especially the ladies. But he can keep a secret. And your secret in his route is you're the homeless person, and you need somewhere to stay, and that happens to be with him. You see, in Director Kabase's route, your apartment building is suddenly deemed unsafe to live in. And he happens to be there the day you're getting assaulted by your new male neighbor in the temp housing they're replacing your apartment with. Rushing in to be your white knight, he insists you stay with him, he won't take no for an answer, and you really don't have a choice in this game, so you suddenly have to be his roommate. But don't worry, old school Otome fans who wanted this gruff boss to wall slam you and take advantage of you and not be a protective white knight once you start living with him, that is still definitely going to happen. Uh, don't worry, he's going to end up wall slamming you in his own home and telling you it's your fault for crashing with a man but not treating him like a man because, of course, all men, including him, are wolves, etc., etc. This is another classic Atome thing. Uh, guys, by the way, I'm not just making this up. Uh, he, he's even <laughs> going to tell you he should have known. He should have known that stuff like this was going to happen because don't you know he would never have even let you crash in his spare room if he didn't like you like that at least a little and we as the player are over here like uh so what was going on with you and nori from earlier outside the bar in his route then because you let him stay with it not nah, just playing i am wondering about that though uh we got a few more classic atome trope characters going on here for love interests we've got the stern tight-lipped sundere who gives us a hard time we can't seem to warm up to him 
we have the red-haired Genki, let's go team, friendship is magic, sports are great and fun guy, he works in marketing. We have the blonde, ethereal, aloof prince type character. Uh, I won't go too deep describing any more characters except to say no one in this game is the trope that they seem to be ultimately when we start out in the beginning. There's a lot of plot turns uh, without something hidden happening that really develops their character. Each route is going to have uh, the red haired ginky guy who's normally the cheerleader for the group, the hardest worker. In this game, he is a lazy shit who says he doesn't have to work because he's a genius. He's an egomaniac and we're lucky if we can get him to do anything because he's usually over there at his desk trauma blocking by watching a movie on his work monitor and playing a game on his phone at the same time. Uh, how does this guy still work here? So lots of fun characters in this game. Obviously I had a great time with this game. I think it delivers in its art. By the way, this is the same designer and artist who made Lover Pretend released late last year. Uh, here's a few things before we go into rating that I'm worried people might not like about this game and why I'm coming in here so hot repping for it, even though it seems generic from the outside. Uh, things I was certainly like, oh, heck no, for like at least a couple seconds before I got used to it in the game. No sprite or voice actor for the main character, our player character, the protagonist. These used to be, back in the day, the most common for Atome. I would wager this day, these days it must be the least common. Uh, most games nowadays have a sprite voice actor for the MC. She has a personality. We know what she looks like. We can hear her. It's a bold choice to bring this sort of thing back. Uh, but not as bold as an even bigger old-school Tome game choice we almost never see it anymore. Uh, no eyes on the MC's face when we do have a CG. The love interests have eyes, we don't. Uh, we have your classic brown hair, bangs covering the part of our face. If you haven't seen this before, it's a pretty dated move intended to make it easy for folks to project that the MC or protagonist of the game is more like them. An unexpected uh, feature I was surprised that this game had that I think is good as you play, sometimes you unlock little switched uh, point of view chapters, POV chapters, where instead of hearing our thoughts as the female protagonist of the game, we'll spend a few minutes in the thoughts of the love interest we're on the route of. But we don't have to play those if we don't want to. I've seen POV switching like this before, but never where it was optional and built into the route where neither way to play was suggested. Why would something like this be optional for the player? All I could come up with was, some people might find uh, this sort of thing spoilers if they're on, oh, let's say, a Sundari or Kuderi's route, a route of someone who their thing is they're not admitting their feelings to you, but probably they do like you back. If you like these routes, you either like that you feel the character doesn't like you at all, that the tension keeps building until they break and confess and you realize they liked you the whole time, or... Maybe you like imagining that they're saying the opposite of what they're thinking and constantly thinking about their love for you, which they deny grumpily uh, as the route progresses. This game lets you choose how you want to play it uh, with that POV tool. You might even find the game lets you choose with two different routes, only to find that some, sometimes uh, Sundari or Kuderi will be mean out loud and nice in their mind. And some people really are mean inside their minds as well compared to the first one. That's fun, too. Another uh, final unexpected feature for me that differs from the source material influence of stuff here we keep talking about that basically Voltage could never. Uh, there are secret and locked routes. There's lots of secret identities within these routes where you might start dating uh, one of the characters only to find out that they're actually a different character you didn't know about. And that's all I'm going to say there, but suffice to say that there are some serious plot twists happening that you don't see every day in the formative old games that uh, walked so we could run now. <laughs> so the story keeps you on your toes no matter which route you're going. Definitely. Um, 
When I asked for this game, I was expecting to give this a try it. We've had some insane Atomes in the last couple of years that have just made up huge waves and, and made a lot of news and really shaken up the formula. We've had Jack John, Virch, uh, Radiant Tail, Winter's Wish. I mean, some crazy stuff that has been happening in this genre lately. Because of this, not only did I not expect this game to come out right now, I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. I understand some people will be hesitant to play something with classic Atome trappings that we don't see a lot of anymore. The MC not having a sprite voice or, or often even dialogue. The MC not having uh, eyes on her face in CGs. Nothing supernatural happening in this game. This ain't Vampire Diaries or Game of Thrones. We're not discovering the ch Catholic Church is really evil by the end of the game. <laughs> we're not discovering some we're some god from ancient Greek times or realizing everyone's ghosts or whatever. This is an office romance. Uh, but this game is a big old buy it for me, even though I didn't think that was what I wanted to play right now. And not just to people who I know can roll with all of the above for a good fun love story. Even if you're thinking about not getting this game because of the things we brought attention to tonight that are different from the trends right now. I want to challenge you, if you are a diehard Atome fan, to still buy this game anyway and see if you can't get over those things that if you're rewarded with a big long game full of Lots of grown-ass men to date, two secret locked routes, so you really aren't going to be expecting. Most of all, just lots of, what this, uh, just lots of what this genre is supposed to be doing in theory that we don't see much of anymore because everybody's trying to write a supernatural story or bring us a completely new experience every game. Dating. This game has more romance and developing an actual relationship with your love interests and having adult moments with them pass just like getting to the end of a route and admitting we like each other and boom, the game's over. Maybe we got one kiss uh, CG. This is really a dating game. Emphasis on dating and you keep playing for a while too after you start dating the character. We almost never see that nowadays. Buy this game if you consider yourself an Otome fan. If you hate it, come yell at me on Twitter because I am willing to put my money <laughs> where my mouth is on this one. I think you're not going to hate it if you love dating games. All right. Sounds good. Uh, you made mention of the church going evil and that not happening here. In one of our games last week, Bree covered a game where Jesus tore himself off the cross and went on a murderous rampage. Whoa. What game was Jesus. that? The Inquisitor. Oh, my God. Cool. That right. has me so interested in that game. <laughs> I, uh, I really like the... Um... Oh, was it Fight of Gods, where you can, where you uh, can play? It's a one on one fighting game where you can play as Jesus Christ, <laughs> and um, he his like weapon, quote unquote, is like the just these big chunks of the cross that are still nailed to his hands. <laughs> so he's just using them to beat up on people. You can also uh, play as Santa Claus. And so you can match Jesus against Santa Claus. It's amazing. Amazing. Oh my lord, that oh my is God. fantastic. It's not, e it's not even a bad game. But yeah, I what's the name the of it? Game. Uh, let me get the full title for you. But it's Fight of Gods. Um, is the the main title? Um, oh shit, it's got to re. Uh, no, hang on, I got it. It takes me very a very long time to scroll through my Switch collection. So I'm like, oh, it's actually on like, the Switch. It is on Switch, yeah. I bought it as soon as oh it came God. out. It's twelve ninety nine. Yeah, I didn't even. Um, I didn't. Jesus, even, I don't Buddha, think I request. Oh, it's just called Bite of Gods. Yeah. Uh, okay, wish list that's going on there. <laughs> yeah. So it's, now, I, now my I wish it, list fact, is like not even Theatrhythm, Xenoblade, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, 
Star Ocean, Legend of Mana, Etrian Odyssey, Baton Kaidos, and Fight of Gods. <laughs> the sad part is you you missed the yeah. you missed the good Etrian Odyssey sale. That thing actually did have a pretty good one. Like I know, I did it go one. under? Did it go under forty for the? It was forty bucks for all of them. Oh yeah, it's done that a couple I ended times now. Those. That fifty percent off deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I this mean, happened, I, that means it can happen again. Yeah, I'm considering next time it it goes on sale like that, picking it up that way, even though I do own the physical copies, but you know, that's just how I am. Yeah. Can I tell yeah. you guys the craziest Otome plot twist I've ever experienced? Yes, please. I can't tell you the title just in case, you know, anybody's listening is it spoilers, but the t- twist was, um, we thought it was a game about the Italian mafia, uh, hundreds of years ago by the Italian seaside. But in the end, we discovered that the mafia was just a front for the church to protect Jesus's magical skeleton, which they had been doing. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross, like in Bible times. Apparently, that is when the Catholic Church invented the Italian mafia so that they could pretend to be the mafia to protect Jesus's <laughs> skeleton uh, and save the world from Jesus's magical skeleton powers. Amazing. Ah, Jesus. You gotta the imaginations on people like that. You just have to. Oh my God. I was like, I've never seen this before, but at the same time, this is so freaking Atome right now. This is wild. (laughs) Incredible. So, next game. Speaking of incredible. (laughs) Uh, Next game to talk about is Arzette, The Jewel of Faramore, developed by CDI Software, published by Limited Run Games. Released February 14th on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for $19.99. After 10 years of peace, the evil Daimor has returned. Princess Arzette is the kingdom of Faramore's only hope to restoring harmony to the land. Chris, what is going on in Arzette, the jewel of Faramore? Oh my god, finally I get to talk about Arzette. Okay, so... (laughs) Time, let's see if I can rival Brooke on uh, on my going into uh, going in depth here. Um, but yeah, so back in uh, oh god, okay, so back in 1993, there was a uh, there was a video game system called the Philips CDI. Um, I don't need to dr- trouble you with its uh, with its sordid origins. Uh, you can read about that anywhere. The important thing to know is that uh, due to weird. Uh, weird legal things with Nintendo. Uh, Philips acquired the rights to create uh, video games uh, that feature Mario and uh, and Zelda. So, which is, of course would never be, it would never happen again. Uh, this is the one and only time that something like this uh, would really occur. Uh, because surely uh, when Philips uh, basically got a... Um, company called Animation Magic to create uh, two Legend of Zelda games for them. The results were fairly shocking. Um, I mean, not like super shocking. Like, we'd only had three Zelda games at this point. Uh, you know, Z1, Z2, and Link to the Past. But when Faces of Evil and Wand of Gamelon came out, uh, the very, very few people who owned a Philips CDI and actually, you know splurge for these games because remember the c the cdi was a a multimedia like giant you know just a gargantuan machine that uh was meant to be like a, a video cd player and like interactive you know cd rom like thing whatever you know just like this 
very imaginative take on what CDs could do uh, in 1993. Um, these had fully animated and voiced cutscenes uh, featuring approximations of the Legend of Zelda characters, kind of based on the Deke cartoon, really, more than anything. Um, and they were just, uh, like I said, the very few people who got to see them before the internet was around uh, were shocked to see that uh, yeah, there was these these insane like um you know animations that you know will like do close-ups against a static background you know the golly kind of like voice acting and such um but you know and the games themselves weren't great uh they were side scrolling like zelda 2 they kind of um controlled a little bit more like a, a sword master or castle of dragon uh but they were actually you know they weren't bad. Here's the thing. I, uh, I'm on the record as saying Philip CDI Zelda games are not actually bad. They're just met early Metroidvanias that were a little confusing. And like I said, they had just these outlandish, like, um, you know, voice acted, uh, cut scenes. The, uh, the actors were from a, um, were just from a, like a, a community kind of theatrical group. Um, that were all kind of like a lot of them were hired uh, in kind of like the somewhere in Massachusetts. Um, you know, they were kind of local actors. Um, the animations, like I said, were pretty out there, but very memorable. So surely enough, when uh, when YouTube came around, um, one of the first things that happened is that people started cutting and pasting and, you know, slicing and dicing these cutscenes to become YouTube poop, which is uh where the Philips CDI games really became famous uh, or infamous. Um, still, because of how terrible it was to try and emulate a Philips CDI and how expensive and rare the actual system and much less the games uh, truly were, 99% of people who experienced Zelda CDI did so through cutscenes and YouTube rather than actually putting a controller in their hands and, and actually playing. Um, I am one of the 1%. <laughs> who uh, have played both games, actually all three games, we don't talk about the third one, uh, but I have, played, <laughs> I have played both of the Wand of Gamelon and Faces of Evil on the actual Philips CDI that I still own uh, with a controller. And so, uh, you know, needles to say, I was extremely excited to see uh, something that happened just a couple of years ago is that somebody took it upon themselves to actually make, instead of emulating CDI, they took the games, completely rebuilt them to work and work much, much better uh, on the um, on the PC. So we had a, a kind of remastered version of the games that came out uh, for free that anybody could download, and they took them down a couple days later so that they wouldn't get you know in trouble with Nintendo, who uh, would probably rather... <laughs> Rather, they didn't actually happen at all in the first place. You, you know, <laughs> Nintendo's not a big fan of these games. Um, but yeah, through that and through, you know, the proliferation of things like Twitch and, you know, YouTube gaming and all this other stuff, like people finally started putting their hands on a more functional version of the CDI Zelders and figured out what some of us, and I mean very, very few of us, uh, knew all along, and that's that the games weren't actually bad, just the CDI wasn't a very good system for playing video games. <laughs> so, you know, they, they moved badly, and, you know, like, it was just kind of hard to process everything, except the video. The video actually processed really well. Um, but yeah, with the modern 
uh, quality of life improvements, like people actually are discovering that these games are playable, very campy, but enjoyable and extremely memorable. Um, so the same people who created these, I think it's actually one person who made the uh, remakes, but I, I could be very wrong there. So don't, I'm just going to say the same, the same, uh, folks or, or folk who, uh, created those remakes decided to make a spiritual successor to the Philips CDI Zelda games. And that is what we see before us today. That is Arzette, the Jewel of Faramore. Now, uh, hardly a more passionate love letter has been written to something that was so completely unloved as this game. Um, it, uh, I love when like I open said, a tab you, to do research on shit and music displays automatically. Oh yeah. Thanks. You gotta love that, yeah. CDI software, your website with <laughs> autoplay trailer. Fucking love it. Uh, sorry to hear, but... Um, <laughs> anyways... So yeah, this game, uh, you play as Princess Arzette, uh, who is, you know, who lives in legally distinct from Hyrule uh, Kingdom of, you know, Faramore. And um, there's a, a, a very familiar cast of characters. <laughs> One of them actually looks like CDI Link with a mustache, which I really, really love. He's a, a big goofball character, too, which is very funny. Um, the game starts off with the uh, almost just frame for frame like uh just this perfect looking animated uh scene of uh and voice acted and everything like after a story which i'll get back to later there's a there's a narrated story but the um but it does the exact same thing that the cdi did which is say close-ups with uh, static backgrounds uh really over the top voice acting really over the top animation real bright colors um surprisingly excellent music uh that actually is true for the cdi zelders as well they have probably if i had to rank um all of the zelda soundtracks i would put both wand of gamelon and faces of evil in the top 10 um because they're actually extremely good soundtracks but yeah like it's got that same uh style of cutscene. but once the uh, and you know the adventure starts uh you know uh, Arzette has to travel across the land, uh, recovering the p shards of a crystal to seal the evil Dimer, who is, um, who has entrusted the shards of the crystal to each of, uh, his myriad of bosses, um, <laughs> many of which, oh, just from the onset, just from looking at them, you're like, oh, these guys are gonna be goofy as hell. Um, and you just can't wait to meet them. And, uh, they all go around the world and you have to go get the, the jewels from them. Um, it's once the adventure starts that you realize, oh, hang on, <laughs> they've actually built a really good game here uh, because the movement is silky smooth. Uh, the action is really good. Um, some people said it reminded them of Shantae, but that might Shantae? just be because it might just be because it has a female protagonist and most gamers aren't used to that. Uh, I can't really comment either way. I will say, though, that, yeah, it basically flows like a proper Metroidvania. Um, your character moves very, and, uh, and, you know, swings your sword very satisfactorily. Uh, you get different sub-weapons that you have to purchase from a shop with a, uh, surly shopkeeper who, um, is particularly famous. I wish I could do a whole different review on the, the fame of just the shopkeeper with 16 seconds of screen time and, and link the faces of evil. Um, but I am popping some, uh, some screen caps of them in, uh, in the, uh, chat now. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so yeah, the, um, like I said, the game itself, extremely playable. Um, the, 
while it could they could have taken like an exact like page from uh from CDI Zelders and just made pretty decent, you know, uh st- static backgrounds. They actually took the extra steps like when you go to a desert, it's got like wavy lines, you know, the heat lines and stuff across the back. Uh the forests look great. All of the uh backgrounds look great and hand painted almost. Um and you know, not only are they functional, but they retain the look and the feel of the CDI Zeldas, which again, weren't ugly they just were different um and yeah so it's like you basically you know you start off in your hub town uh you talk to people by stabbing them with your sword uh this is actually the same as in the zelda cdi games except that in this game they actually explain it away that you have a smart sword that know that you know is used to interact with things and is generally useful rather than just defeating things it only defeats things with an evil heart or something like that um and uh yeah like i said the levels are very cleverly designed the bosses um usually feature some kind of strategy that you have to use um there's two levels of difficulty one where enemies drop hearts and the other the the normal mode where they don't drop hearts and that's actually uh, a much more interesting way to play because it it makes you think about way, different ways to like survive and stuff but of course you can just ignore that and and go easy mode um I have to say, as somebody who knows the CDI Zelda games and CDI in general, uh, this game is so rife with even the most subtlest of references. And they even included a bonus. They have several bonus games in this game that are pretty good. And that gets you uh, extra rubies, which uh, rubies started off as a uh, a, a kind of uh, misnomer for rupees. Um, in the Zelda CDIs, they call them rubies instead of rupees. Uh, and but in this game, they're just like, yeah, they're rubies. And so, <laughs> even though they're different colors and stuff, they're actually called rubies. Uh, but anyways, you can play bonus games for more of them, and one of them is literally Hotel Mario. So, oh man, they, uh, yeah, they. Uh, when I saw that, I was just like cracking up. Um, there are so many characters in this game, like just a ton of them, and. They each have an animated voice, uh, you know, a whole animated scene with the with the animation and the voiceovers and everything. Um, so I was going to say that going back to the very beginning of the game where it's narrated, when you're listening to the woman who's narrating, you're like, she sounds kind of familiar. And uh, if you look it up on, you know, wherever, uh, they actually got Bonnie Jean Wilbur, who is the voice of Zelda in the CDI games, to do the narration of this game. Uh, she also plays, I think, more than one character. Um, and when you start the tutorial, which famously the CDI Zeldas have a fully voiced tutorial, uh, you'll hear the voice of Jeffrey Rath. And Jeffrey Rath is the voice of Link from the original CDI Zelda. So they actually got two of the, uh, at least two, of the actors of the original CDI Zeldas to play, like, parts in this game, which is incredible to me. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, and uh, the other voice actors are just different uh, video game voice talents, uh, most of which are, you know, would have been too good for the Zelda CDIs. But hey, they're they're they definitely do the the correct over the top um, uh, style of acting for this game. Uh, there's a couple of like YouTubers that kind of guest star in it. I don't really care about that. They do a good job though. Um, ultimately, yeah. If you, like I said, um, as somebody who has owned a CDI for a couple of decades now, 
and um, and has played many of the CDI games and uh, you know has seen the worst that that system has and still considers like the Zelda games to be very good and worth playing. Not very good, but they're good and worth playing, uh, or at least worth acknowledging as like you know the kind of piece of history that they are. Uh, yeah, I just cannot believe how um, how great of a job they just did with this game. Being just, like I said, a love letter to the unloved. Um, it's just like, and again, it being such a solid game itself, it's a great way to kind of marry the worlds of, you know, the kind of absurdity, you know, absurdist, campy, like, side of, like, old video games, which is, say, these early cutscenes and such, you know, with actual, you know, well-thought-out gameplay level design and, uh, and you know, aesthetics. So, dang. <laughs> well the game should, clocks I say, in... should i say golly <laughs> no no you shouldn't ah uh. uh, all right the cl- the game clocks in at 20 bucks what are your thoughts on rz my boy this is the remake that all true warriors strive for no <laughs> uh not remake uh yeah tribute i guess you could say this is absolutely a buy it from me um i would not only say that i'd say this is the first earliest contender for like my game of the year so uh extremely exciting game really well made um like i said a passion project that nobody asked for and now everybody is kind of you know kind of getting on to you know i noticed that this game is has got a lot of buzz um but it deserves it like i said this is a uh, a really cool move um i really wish that you know things like this happened more it kind of took like the power of youtube <coughs> of youtube essentially uh basically the the power of something even more insufferable than the original material to kind of elevate it to the level of infamy that it that made this possible so like it's kind of a complicated uh place to inhabit but i'm really glad that this came out i'm really glad it's available and i'm really glad that it's even better than i thought it was going to be which i already thought it was going to be something i wanted to buy but now it's like something that i want there to be more of speaking of uh if the developers publishers anyone anyone important is listening i want that press kit (laughs) oh the uh physical (laughs) edition yeah, the the physical the edition, press kit. special edition. <laughs> yeah, here's something uh, a little bonus for the listeners: the uh, the press kit as well as the collector's edition um, bonus materials includes a functioning CDI controller that works on the Switch. Um, the wand style one. I have the Genesis. I have the Genesis style controller, but this is the wand style controller that was a little bit more popular. Just crazy. crazy. Oh, and um, shout outs to the streamer Nocturnal Hannah who actually played. Uh, most of the way through this game on Valentine's Day uh, in Morshoe cosplay. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, she actually... I got to experience a lot of the game like uh, through that rather than, you know, I didn't beat it myself yet, but uh, but I will. But I just wanted to shout her out as being a fellow CDI Zelda enjoyer. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, moving on. Next game, Noxia Somnia, developed and published by Reframe Games, released January 25th on Steam for $13.99. Face your fears in this chilling 2D survival horror action game about understanding and overcoming mental health struggles. Explore twisted nightmares, engage in challenging fast-paced combat, survive encounters with terrifying stalker enemies. Purnell, what is going on in Noxia Somnia? It was a bad time to start eating that Oreo. Um, 
<laughs> now I'm back. There we go. So, Noxie Insomnia is a game that kind of came as a surprise to me when I heard about it because the theme for this game, it's pretty close to home. And I can respect, I was able to respect it for that alone, which made me want to play more of it to see if the game actually measured up as a game, too. And spoiler, I like this game. I think it's pretty good. Um, but you probably want to hear what the hell the game is. So, you play as a young man named Tristan. Tristan's not too unlike, you know, typical young adults, you know, late teens, early 20s. He's made a few mistakes in his life, and those mistakes have ballooned in his head to be bigger than they are, potentially. He feels like his life is over. He has no options, no prospects. And in this game's world, however, that sense of resentment and unfulfilled, you know, unfulfilled dreams has proven to be excellent fodder for a species known as the Harvesters. They are entities that prey on the insecurities and internal suffering of humans and creates basically nightmare worlds for them based on those things where they will basically just torment them and chase them around and give them grief until they ultimately all consume them and kill them. You are faced with such entities, but you are being helped by someone known as the God who tells you that if you can defeat them or gain enough strength within your own mind and overcome your fears and concerns and defeat the harvesters, you will be able to escape and have a second chance at, you know, fulfilling your goals. So this takes place in the form of a 2D, you know, not platform, a 2D side scroller where survival side scroller, where you are traversing various realms made up of S elements of Tristan's psyche with hopes of, you know, getting stronger to defeat these harvesters. You have at core a melee attack and you attack with a weapon that you can upgrade as the game progresses. Um, you have a few other abilities you gain as you play, but the only one I'll mention off the top, because I also crucial element to the gameplay is you get a flashlight as well. Flashlight's purpose is to not so much see in the dark, though it does do that in some areas. But in addition to that, as you're playing through the game, Tristan is constantly dealing with anxiety. If he's not in a safe space, such as the, the guide's hub world, his anxiety will slowly ramp up. If you have the flashlight on, the, the anxiety will go down. Keeps it down, because obviously a light in the darkness. However, there's a problem there. The harvesters aren't just waiting at the end of the level for you to come and kill them. Before you reach the point where you're strong enough to defeat them within the world itself, which means Tristan has come to grips with what he's dealing with that's causing the trauma and that, that created the space, the harvesters are actually hunting him throughout the stages. So, as you're walking through areas, if the harvesters catch sight of your flashlight, they will, you know, kind of come towards where the flashlight light's coming from. If they reach you, you're, regardless of whether your flashlight is on, your tension meter will spike, and they will come after you with a vengeance trying to kill you. Uh, tension is bad because once your tension meter maxes out, you start losing hit points. You lose enough hit points, you die like in any other game. You can evade them by basically dodging their attacks, hopefully getting back to a safe space where they cannot reach you, um, and that's pretty much going to be your main goal when dealing with harvesters until you get to the point where you can fight them proper. Um, aside from that, you'll fight smaller entities in the worlds, and those enemies you can actually fight back. You can attack them with your melee weapon, and the flashlight gets an ability to fire an electrical charge that you can use as well. The electrical charge has to charge up again over time, though I will admit in this game that charge happens very fast, so I was able to kind of exploit using the charge of flashlight, which is far more powerful than your melee attack. Um, as you fight enemies and defeat them, you'll get shards and 
materials as well as crystals or coins. You can spend coins at the hub world to get various, you know, costume changeable items or costume change items, some healing items and such like that from a shop. You can also spend the shards to upgrade your character using a skill tree that the guide has available to you to utilize. And you can use the monster materials at a bingo board or I guess like a, yeah, I guess that's what I would call it, a bingo board where you can trade those bits in for request items. So, for example, you might say, hey, I need these 10 gears. And for trading in these 10 gears, I will give you a whistle. And the whistle is an item that you can use to do various summons of support characters that might come through and help you fight enemies throughout the game. So, you do want to harvest monster resources because you do want to make use of that bingo board. So, the game itself isn't terribly long, but... I don't need it to be. It's doing what it needs to do in the time that it's given. Um, for example, like, you know, the, the upgrade board for your character isn't massive or anything, but nonetheless, you will still see what's on there and go, okay, when I get enough crystal shards to upgrade, I'm definitely going for that because that's a very useful skill. You know, things like being able to breathe well um, or be able to see the monster silhouettes in the dark, most notably being the harvester. Because what I forgot to mention in regards to when the harvester is hunting you is. Even if you're in a room that the Harvester is not in, the Harvester will go through doors. And if you have your flashlight on a room that he's not in, he'll still get wind of you being in that room. Or at least he'll have a reason to be suspicious enough to potentially open the door to come in there. At which point, you're screwed. Because they, they are jerks. They attack very aggressively. Uh, so, there, so having the ability to purchase a skill that will allow you to see their silhouette outside the, do- outside the door or outside the wall... It's pretty damn important. It was probably one of the first upgrades I purchased because, yeah, you do not want them catching you. I will say, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but at least it does make it more accessible to play. Is Enemies have, uh, rather the boss monsters, the harvesters, have a variety of attacks they can attack you with. Those attacks are kind of choreographed by a bar that appears at the top of their health bar that will show the name of the attack and how much time you got before it activates. Once the bar drains, they do the attack. So once you start to learn what those attacks are by name, you can plan around what they're going to do and when they're going to do it and evade. So unless you're outright cumbersome or clumsy, just watching that bar will pretty much keep you from taking a ton of damage. You'll be able to you know, dodge and roll with the best of them. Um, I don't mind that so much because, in a sense, I enjoy this game more for the messages giving and the way they crafted it than I am with, man, I need to feel real challenged in this thing. So, nah, I ain't worried about that so much. But some people might be like, wow, this is too easy because I can just kind of read the poor choreographed you know, notes and just play along. But I will say in the end, this game was a very pleasant surprise to me, especially hits pretty home in my personal life currently. So it was kind of nice to be like, hey, this guy's dealing with some shit. I'm dealing with some shit. And hey. More games need to tackle topics like this because it's amazing how many people in this world are dealing with this exact problem, but no one's talking to them about it because it's not healthy, quote-unquote, apparently, or not cool to talk about your problems with other people. Um, so I feel as though if, you, if you're hearing about this game for the first time on this show, that makes me that much happier that I was able to get a chance to review it. Um, I do believe that it's worthy of your time and money, and this is the part where you come in. The game's thirteen ninety nine. What's your verdict? I believe this game is very much a buy. I enjoyed it very much, and I do believe you will get your enjoyment out of it if you like the survival horror type games, or, or retro style ones rather. And if you like the idea of a game tackling a fairly relatable 
predicament or dilemma. Cool. Uh, one final game to talk about tonight is Ask Libra Gaiden, The Cave of Phantom Mist, developed by Kaizo, published by Whisper Games. It released February 13th on Steam for $9.99, uh, coming soon to the Switch as well. This is DLC for Ask Libra. Uh, every day she followed the same routine, sweeping away out in front of her family's store. The shut-in girl could only gaze with longing toward the work done by the town's heroic guild. But when the guild members go missing one day, she has no choice but to throw herself into conflict, chasing after their tracks in order to save her little, her ill little sister. I can't talk. This is the story of an ordinary girl's battle. Chris, what is going on in Ask Libra Gaiden, the Cave of Phantom Mist? It's hard to say ill and lil in the, you know. <laughs> ill little sister. <laughs> ill little sister. Okay, so, yes, this is Ask Libra Revision, uh, Phantom Cave or whatever, Cave of Phantom things. Um, the Cave of Phantom Mist, that's it. <laughs> um, so, if y'all, uh, if y'all recall, the... Um, Ask Libra is a uh, was my game of the year for 2023. I um I really really loved this just silky smooth like addicting like you know Metroidvania style game. Um I put 65 like after my review actually I think it was after the review I put 65 hours into uh, getting a complete playthrough, um, unlocking all the content that I could, um, and yeah, just ultimately rolling credits for like the 20th time to get the uh, the true ending quote unquote um and yeah it so i absolutely love that game and yeah this is the uh, this is the first real dlc for it um this is a a separate adventure though it does require the uh the original ass libra to run uh, however when you go to boot it up it will ask you if you want to boot this game up or if you want to boot up the dlc that's how kind of separate it is um in the uh, story of Ask Libra Revision, which is uh, a very, it starts off kind of, no, I don't think it ever gets simple, actually. It's a very complex story, and it, it involves a lot of moving pieces and uh, a lot of keeping track of, like, what's going on. Um, and there is one mysterious element uh, that, especially in the kind of mid to late game, and that is the presence of a of another, like, super-powered warrior that exists in in kind of your hub town whom you never meet uh although you meet her parents and uh you never really see um her and she's just known as the baker's daughter well um this game fully explores the uh the baker's daughter in question and um and she is joined by uh a character who is important in the main story in ways that uh that I will not get into for spoiler reasons but uh his name's Polin pollen and he's basically like a, a wolf kind of like a big dog more than a wolf i think but like wolf like um like somewhere between a husky and a wolf anyways um so instead of uh instead of having karen the talking crow in this game you have pollen the talking wolf um providing uh a a, a growth situation uh, of which this game has most of the ones that are from ass libra so um, I'm really going to like <laughs> not get into too much of what this game is like compared to Ask Libra. You'll just have to um, check out Ask Libra Revision uh, to know about that. I'm just going to talk about like some of the things that are similar and different in this game. Um, so it plays the exact same way. Uh, your character moves and operates exactly like um, like the hero of Ask Libra. 
Uh, the difference is that you do gain spells in this game and special moves and uh, weapons and such, because, uh, you know, weapons were a huge part of the last game. And uh, they're all different. Um, some of them are very similar, but, you know, just from the onset, you start to see, like, completely different gear for this character. Um, the game also introduces what is called style. Um, for the cost of a conundrum, uh, which is, you know, just um, precious stones that you find throughout the game for different reasons, uh, whether in treasure chests or, uh, or as prizes in the lottery game, which I'll get to in a minute, um, conundrum can be used... Uh, if you find the style, uh, you can unlock it by by spending conundrum and a style, uh, which is represented in the game, is just showing your character in a different hat. Uh, so like a metal hat for swordsman or a, a conical hat for uh, for magician, you know, things like that. Uh, what it does is it kind of changes around uh, your stats, stat bonuses a little bit, and also um, in you know it allows for. Uh, different perks that are related to the type of uh, thing that you're doing. So, like, your first one, which is Explorer, uh, helps you gain um, weapon skills faster. But then the Swordsman one uh, cuts the weight of your swords in half so you can swing them faster and harder. And uh, the Magic one, like, cuts down... uh, Basically, well, it raises, like, ST, which is uh, kind of a... That's kind of like when you're attacking enemies, your ST meter goes up, and then you can cast a spell when it gets to a certain point. Um, so that's very important for uh, for spells because spells don't consume anything. It's just it's there's only uh, so many so much time that you have before you can use one, depending on the spell. Um, so you know, magician uh, helps with that, and you know, so on and so forth. And each of these, uh, as you wear them and unlock more treasure chests and gain more identical versions of that style, uh, it will build on the bonuses of that style. So you can actually level up these styles. Uh, so there's a lot of another leveling up factor there. Uh, now, they did simplify some things. For instance, in uh, Ask Libra Revision, uh, there's a basically, if you want to get a, like a new weapon, um, you have to find the recipe, and then you have to go to a shop and have the material to build the weapon, as well as the money. Uh, the materials, of course, are going to be rare drops from enemies uh, that are further in, or you know, wherever you are. Um, so that kind of locks you out of getting the good stuff too early. Um, in this game, they do that for the regular weapons, but for the like really special, really rare weapons, um, if you do happen across those, then you just get them immediately. Uh, there's no having to build like a special sword, which is funny because uh, the the special swords and like in weapons and such almost always require like a dessert ingredient, <laughs> like because uh, you combine like you know eggs and flour and sugar and stuff like that in a in a you know kind of alchemical way to create like fancy desserts, and then those are usually used in the processing of really rare gear, which is a a quirk that I I really like about the original game, but. Again, if you open a chest and there's an ultra-rare sword in it, you actually just get that sword right away. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Now, the main gameplay loop of this, instead of it being uh, going to different locations, defeating all the monsters, and going through the storyline and stuff, uh, this one actually focuses on a on one particular dungeon that has multiple levels related to the, uh, the main quest uh, back in uh, Ask Libra Revision. Uh, this is so it actually acts a little bit more like a roguelike in this sense. Um, now you keep all of the treasure and you can leave the dungeon at any time and go back to your room and retain everything that you got 
except for your level. You always start at level one. Um, and so, you know, you go through, um, and this is actually, uh, this is a small part of Vast Libra Revision, is uh, they have a dungeon that's like this. It's just this is like the whole game in this sense. Um, but if you drop down, you know, you drop down to like level one, one, and then you can go through doors. You're basically looking for a lever to open the uh, a hole in the ground so that you can drop down into the next level, one, two. And, um, you know, as you go through, there's treasure chests, there's bonus rooms, there's sometimes surprise boss fights, uh, you know, different... All, anything can happen if you go through a door. Uh, it's always random. And uh, then when you... Every ten levels, there's an actual boss that you have to defeat. Um, and like I said, every time you make enough progress, then... Uh, and you go back to your... Uh, to the uh, hub town, back to your room, uh, which is where, by the way, you can spend uh, points that enemies drop to gain uh, levels on that grid. Uh, if you played Ask Libra Revision, you know what grid I'm talking about. Um... And yeah, so you can do all that and then do a little bit of story and then go back in and go even further. And that's basically how the game goes. Instead of having you go out to all these different locations and like meet all these other characters and things like that. Uh, this is basically the game, but distilled down into like kind of a roguelike experience with a few extra options and such. Um, and, you know, just like Ask Libra Revision, pretty much everything about it is super cool. Um the only thing that might be disappointing is that almost all of the graphical and musical assets are reused uh, from, you know, the main game. So there's not a whole lot of new stuff there. But anybody who played all the way through Ask Libra Revision, such as myself, will definitely want to know the story of the Baker's Girl and uh, and how she ties into the main story. So for that reason, I'm really, really glad that that's the direction they went with this DLC adventure. Cool. Well, the DLC clocks in at 10 bucks. What are your thoughts on it? Well, the original game was 25 bucks, and then this is a uh, basically a distillation of that into something that seems to be pretty uh, infinitely playable. Um, maybe not so, but I mean, they do promise an extra 20 hours of content, which means I'll probably spend 40 hours on it. Uh, this is absolutely a buy it if you have Astley Revision and you and you like it. Um, I am absolutely going to be buying this as soon as it like drops on switch because uh, that's where i mainly played this game but i am glad to have gotten to review it on stream at least uh, steam at least all right very cool yeah uh that is it for this episode we made it through hooray hooray how many of us is it just you and me now <laughs> no pernell's still here uh, okay everyone else just they they died on the way up the mountain there's oh, just no. bodies there's bodies must, strewn about in the mountain. <laughs> we must we must take revenge on our betrothed, <laughs> the, the corpse. Uh, music this episode. Uh, you you got me thinking Earthbound, so I'm gonna play something from Earthbound. Cool. Since your band's doing Earthbound. Yep. Be that is that, that is the after. nap of the year episode all <laughs> wrapped up, wrapped up, and now we about to get napped up. Yeah, right, bedtime is a precious. Like that could have been a good call. ending right there. <laughs> Quick, Pernell, say something edited. to make make me feel better for not ending it right there. Woozle wazzle? Nah. <laughs> the Recording not finished. Like